Well, good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Anita J, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. And today is Thursday, the 4th of July, 2019, and this is the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. And today we are reading from the big book, and we are in the chapter more about alcoholism on page 37, reading the fourth paragraph, which begins, our behavior is as absurd, and we'll be concentrating our comments on the one paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Diana S., the 12 Traditions, Katie G, and readers of the text this morning are Catherine C and Anita L. The share ID numbers for Tuesday, for Wednesday, excuse me, July 3rd for the 7 a.m. meeting is 13,109, 13109. And for the 10 a.m. meeting is 13,112, 13,112. And our newcomer greeter this morning will be Naomi B. And the 8 a.m. host is Jen A. from Colorado. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members, and we are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our pride, you know, I think somebody's unmuted. Would people look, please? Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Diana S. to read OA's 12 steps. Diana? Hey, good morning. It's Diana S. Sorry, I was muted. That's um, okay. Go thanks. ahead. Thank you, Anita. Okay. Um, step one, we admitted we were powerless over food and that our lives had become unmanageable. Step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. 
step four, made a searching and fearless mortal inventory of ourselves. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of the wrongs. Step six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Step seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Step nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Step 10, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Step 11, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him praying only for our knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Step 12, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all <laughs> And I will now, thank you, thank you so much, Diana S. And I will ask Katie G to read Overeaters Anonymous's 12 Traditions. Thanks, Anita. KG, Recovered Compulsive Overeater, Anorexic and Bulimic in Boston. Here are the 12 traditions of OA. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thanks, Anita. I pass. Thank you so much, Katie G. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. 
Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, and then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. So today we resume our study of the big book and we are at the bottom of page 37 um, with the with the sharing of um, it is as absurd as. And I've asked Catherine C. to read that one paragraph and get us started. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning. Can I be heard? Yes. Are you? Okay. Yes. It's kind of a oh, okay. flooding noise. Is that better? Much better. Thank you so okay. much. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Hi, I'm Catherine C. I'm a compulsive overeater from Virginia. Our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to first drink as that of an individual with a passion, say, for jaywalking. He gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. He enjoys himself for a few years in spite of friendly warnings. Up to this point, you would label him as a foolish chap having queer ideas of fun. Luck then deserts him and he is slightly injured several times in succession. You would expect him, if he were normal, to cut it out. Presently, he is hit again, and this time has a fractured skull. Within a week after leaving the hospital, a, a fast-moving trolley car breaks his arm. He tells you he has decided to stop jaywalking for good, but in a few weeks, he breaks both legs. This is a really good paragraph. And the first thing that really sticks out to me is just the word normal. Normal is standard, typical, or common. And in terms of when it comes to the food or our behavior is absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink, um, I am not normal. Uh, most people learn from consequences. I get a consequence, I change my behavior, and I go on. <laughs> and this paragraph illustrates that I can have consequences. I can have my life falling apart around me and yet I don't stop, um, and I can want to stop. I can need to stop. I can have physical ramifications for it, like this man, and yet I don't stop. And I think that really hammers home what we've been talking about for the past few days, which is the, the main problem of this disease is my mind, my mind telling me it's okay to pick up again. Catherine, it's fine. It's fine, Catherine. This time it's okay. It's okay this time. Oh, blah, 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 blah. And really, it's not. Um, and it wasn't until I, yes, the food had to be down 100%, but it wasn't until I focused on, I realized that the main root of my problem is my mind, that I was able to get any relief. And then also, where am I today in that? Where am I today in this mental obsession? And um, where can I be 
see in this absurd behavior as well. Um, and that's all I have. Thank you, I pass. Well, thank you so much, Catherine. All right. Um, now I'm going to invite people who haven't shared on the 7 a.m. meeting for the last two days um, to please give me your name if you would like to share. Press Harlan Charles H. Harlan and Charles. Anita L. Anita L. Nadia Ida B. A. Nadia B. And who A? Ida. Ida A. All right. Leah S. Leah S. All right. Let's go with these six. Holland, Charles, Anita, Nadia, <clears throat> Ida, and Leah. All right. Harlan G., good morning, and you are up. Good morning, Anita. Thank you for your service. I'm Harlan G., normally calling from Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm in Boulder, Colorado this morning. Um, this quintessential story, this quintessential paragraph, these two paragraphs here on the, on the Jaywalker, illustrate beautifully what we have been talking about. That the word that we're talking about, the concept is, insanity. In other areas of my life, I can be sane. There are certain areas in my life when I'm not sane that don't pertain to food. But where this is concerned over and over and over again, I have engaged in behaviors that are self-destructive. I have engaged in behaviors that are not in my best interest. And I have engaged in behaviors that have destroyed decades of my life that I will never get back. And here is the insane part, or the more insane part. I will do it again. I will not work the steps. I will do it again and again and again because of a twist of the mind seeking relief from the intense pain that comes from the buildup of human emotion. And because of a physical allergy a craving beyond my control, I will seek the one thing that has killed me, and that is the food. As Bill says in his story, my willpower was amazingly weakened when it comes to combating liquor, though it remains strong in other areas. Where food is concerned, I am strangely insane. Strong word, but isn't it true? Because the sanity part comes from wholeness of mind. But where food is concerned, I will continue to do the same thing again and again and again and expect different results. And if I do that, I am insane. And the only power greater than me, greater than my insanity, is the power of the spiritual awakening that comes from the incessant working of the steps. And no other way. Thanks, Anita. Thank you so much, Harlan. All right, Charles H. and then Anita L. Good morning, Charles. Thank you very much, Anita Baker. <laughs> this is Charles H. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater, and I want to hit it from 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 the standpoint of body parts, which they describe very properly in the second paragraph. They talk about they talk about uh, sc a fractured skull. They talk about 
both his arms being broke. No, well, both his legs, and and then he breaks his arms. Um, nowhere in the the uh, abstinence um, for Overeaters Anonymous that they talk about having a thin body. I wonder if I had a a, a thin mind or a thin mindset or a a thin skull. I wonder. I wonder if that was the case, right? They, they, you know, I, I don't want to be thin. I want to be healthy. I come through my hood looking thin. They're like that boy smoking crack again, and that's just for me. I want to be. I want to have a healthy mind, a healthy body. I can. I can. You know, I can. I can comprehend because I have a, a brother that's closer to me than a brother. He's not really my brother, but he's my brother, and he's in another fellowship. And he keep breaking his arms and legs, and I can identify with doing the same thing. And you know, I have a, you know, I, I haven't followed the big book on in chapter seven where you know leave him alone, let him right because he's so close to me. And I told him, yeah, I finally told him yesterday in rage, don't ever talk to me anymore. I love you too much because he, I keep witnessing him. Um, bringing people, placing things into his life. And, I, and, and it's selfish, but it, it, it's honest, right? I, 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 he's a jaywalker. And I can remember being a jaywalker, so I, 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 need, I, I, got, I got to do some work. I'm telling on myself, but he's, close, he's so close to me. Um, the only thing I could say to him is, is, is don't talk to me ever again. And it, it, it sucks, but... I don't want to see him die. I don't want to see him kill himself. I don't want to see. I don't want to see him skipping in front of stuff, right? I don't want to see that because he's just that close to me. But but if I'm going to be a student of this big book, I gotta I gotta follow the instructions. What chapter seven is telling me, but I could identify and accept the fact that he wants to be a jaywalker because when I was a jaywalker, um, nobody couldn't tell me nothing. You know, so so I wanted to hit it from a body part standard, and I wanted to also reiterate that nowhere in the definition of abstinence um, uses the word thin. But I, I think the word healthy is in there. So I wish everybody um, a healthy, um, prosperous, abstinent Fourth of July. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Charles H. All right, Anita L., and then it will be Nadia B. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. This is Anita L. outside of Philadelphia, recovered for today by the grace of God, one day at a time. And um, our behavior is as absurd and incomprehensible with respect to the first drink as that of an individual with a a passion, say, for jaywalking. So... I am thinking, you know, I am crazy. I'm just out of my mind. If I pick up that first bite after a period of abstinence, no matter how long or how short that period of abstinence may be, you know, I know what comes next as a result of yielding to my disease because I've done it so many times again and again and relapsed. However, I don't care. I don't care. All I want is my drug, my substance at that moment. And I believe that a huge piece of that is because of that mental blank spot. My mind, you know, I just 
block out all the terror, the the horror, the the shame, the uh, the guilt, the self-loathing and self-hate. You know, I don't care. All I can think about is that I want what I want when I want it. And that's just like uh, the jaywalker who has a passion and gets a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. And when I saw the word thrill, he gets a thrill, I was thinking, you know, that's the effect that the uh, jaywalker gets, Um, you know, by dodging those cars or seeing if he can get out um, and, and get on to the other side of the street. And that's the same type of effect that I get from the food. The only difference is I feel that, you know, just like, oh my God, this is the best thing in the world. And that's all I can think about. Um, And it tells me about that in the doctor's opinion on um, XXVIII in the fourth edition where it says men and women drink essentially because they like the effect produced by alcohol. The sensation is so elusive that while they admit it is injurious, they cannot, after a time, differentiate the true from the false. To them, their alcoholic life seems the only normal one. They are restless, irritable, and discontented unless they can again experience the sense of ease and comfort which comes at once by taking a few drinks, drinks which they see others taking with impunity. Um, So thank you so much. I'm so grateful that for today, I want recovery more than the disease. And have a great fourth. Thanks so much, Anita L. All right, Nadia B is up, followed by Ida A. Good morning, Nadia. Good morning, Anita. Nadia B, gratefully recovered, compulsive overeater in Connecticut. I love this um, story because it just, it really hits home to this um, idea of insanity and what we call insanity, what, what alcoholics call insanity. Um, it is a specific, it's not by... Um, a dictionary definition. It's what we call plain insanity. It's that, um, you know, that, that this idea, this extreme foolishness, irrationality, overpowers all other facts of my life. The fact that, you know, I know that my body reacts to those substances differently than anyone else. And when I start practicing abstinence, I feel better. I don't have craving. And experience after experience after experience shows me that I feel better. I have a thought in the middle of abstinence. I can be abstinent for a long time. It can happen after a year, two years, three years, my experience. The thought comes that overcomes every fact, every knowledge, that pushes aside every sane reasoning 
for not eating, easily aside. Um, and that obsessive thought comes in favor of, of this, um, you know, that, that maybe today, because it's 4th of July, I can have cake because it has blueberries on it and it's in shape of American flag. And if nothing comes between me and that obsessive thought, nothing will help me. You know, I have to also say mind is not an organ. There is no pill for this. There is no... Um, uh, you know, any type of physical treatment that I can get for this. And, um, you know, for me as a compulsive overeater uh, who has this, who had this obsession, who suffered from this obsession for years, um, you know, steps are the only, um, only treatment for this. And, um, you know, I would still, um, do be um, engaging in this insane behavior, just like Jay, Jay Walker. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Nadia. All right. It'll be Ida followed by Leah S. Good morning. Hi. Good morning, everybody. Ida here, grateful compulsive overeater from Northern British Columbia. Thanks so much, Anita. And thank you, everybody, for having a meeting this morning so I can get plugged into the we not the I program. I um, lack a proportion, absolutely. Inability to think straight, yep. Insatiable desire to beat the system. I am a scammer. I want to beat the system. And yeah, normal people stop after getting hit once, physically and meta metaphorically, I guess. I, I don't. I am a jaywalker despite my intelligence in so many other areas. It's like, it's like I'm the moth. I am drawn to the light, even though it'll kill me. I'm drawn to the traffic, even though it'll kill me. Even in my bandages, I'm lured back to my habit. It's my fix, my food. With arrogance and my insatiable desire, this time it'll be different. This time I can scan the game, beat the system. And, uh, and it is a sense of superiority. And I am motivated to defy all of those rules. Um, July 4th, yes, it's an American holiday. It's also the day my brother was born. He uh, was a jaywalker too, and he's been dead a lot of years because of jaywalking. And uh, he died really young. And I jaywalked with him. And you know what? Today, I'm lucky that I had the answer he never had. And, uh, and, and it is to give up absolutely entirely this absolute surrender which did not fit in my family of origin but all of my alcoholic food has to be down this is a gluttonous holiday and i wish all of you abstinence because with the food down picking up the steps working with a sponsor i have discovered yes self-sponsorship doesn't work so it's sponsorship the daily principles putting down the I program, picking up the we program. And today I, I can lean into the we program, not perfectly, not perfectly, but every day it gets better, that every day that I'm abstinent and I work as a we, 
imperfectly, but beautifully. Oh my gosh, this is a beautiful program. A Vision for You is a beautiful program. Having a conference to look forward to. Wow, that's so cool. Anyway, I, I, massive gratitude and thanks everybody for being here. I pass. Thank you very much, Ida A. Good morning, Leah S. Good morning, Anita, and happy 4th to everyone. And thank you so much for service and for all those who make this meeting possible. Leah S. Recovered and presently in upstate New York. The paragraph starts with our behavior. Our behavior, my behavior. My behavior has to change. It really has to change because obviously what I have been doing until now has led me to the food and to more food and to more food. And they're using like a metaphor. They're saying I've been skipping and moving in front of fast-moving vehicles. And I, I consider that metaphor as life, different areas that come up, different circumstances that have me have me running all over town and, and trying to get my way and doing things my way. On page 28, they talk about a new design of living. In the doctor's opinion, they talk about the mental twist that I have and I need a change. What are they saying? Things that I have been doing until now, Leah, has not worked. It has always led you to the food. This weekend business has always led me to such despair and leaving me in a state where I can't pick it up. But I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Monday comes around. You know, on page 36, they say, I came into work on Tuesday. What happened to Monday? That's what I, I refer to as well, because... Weekends used to take me into Monday until I could finally, finally get myself together. This is a stupor. This is the the depression. This is how this disease always took me, and uh, amongst other things that that I had to um, that it has taken me to. So it it wasn't being afraid of under of facing myself it wasn't being afraid of trying to help myself but seriously helping myself and being honest this is going to work for me and this is not going to work for me until i find it this is a road that is not about perfection it is progression and that's what we do, and that's what I do. And thank you for letting me share. I passed. Thanks so much, Leah S. All right, for those who entered a little bit late, we are reading at the bottom of page 37. His behavior is as absurd. That's the bottom last paragraph, and we concentrated only on that paragraph. Who would like to share? Uh, Mary Ann B. A. Marianne B, B uh, A, or the B, and Susan A, was it? Correct. Okay. Kristen A. Lane C. Kristen, Kristen, and was it Lane? Mark yes. H. Larry, Larry K. And Mar- Mark H. and Mark Larry H. K. Mark H. Mark H. And Larry K. All right. Let's. Let's take these six and then see where we stand. 
All right, so that is um, Marion B and Susan A and Christine, I think I've got in uh, my own handwriting is my issue. Lane and Mark H and Larry K. All right, more. Um, what, whatever I said, was it Maria B? Whatever, go. <laughs> Marion or B or what what is that? We're starting with an M. You are the first one. Press star one. Hi, this is Marianne. Marianne V. Yeah. Um, yes. thank you for uh for allowing me to share. This is my first time. Um I, I like the part that says luck then deserts him and he is slightly injured several times in succession. You would expect him if he were normal to cut it out. Um, I had I, um, a big book I'm reading from that I've written in over the years, and um, I wrote down all the different uh, medical problems that started to show up um, as I progressed through my disease. Um, so... Luck then deserts him. High blood pressure, high blood sugar, arthritis, um, acid reflux, all the things that came with morbid obesity. Um, so you would expect if I were, quote, normal, to cut out the behaviors that were leading to all these problems. But, of course, I didn't. You know, within it says within a week after leaving the hospital, a fast-moving trolley car breaks his arm. So within a week of being told I have high blood pressure, I'm right back into the binge foods. You know, I'll be compliant. I'll take the medication, but I couldn't stop eating um, because I was not—I wasn't normal. You know, not normal around food. Um, and so this jaywalking story is is really powerful. Yeah, I—I um, I don't. It says I get a thrill out of skipping in front of fast-moving vehicles. Um, I think I got a hit out of eating my binge foods about about binging. And my mind just went blank when it came to the consequences. Um, I wish that I had been one of the lucky ones who put down the food when I was young and never took it back. I came to OA in 1979 when I was 23, got abstinent right away, and then broke in six months later and had a long, long history of relapse, of in and out, et cetera. And I'm grateful to be where I am today um, in recovery and grateful to be newly a part of this OA Vision for You um, community and um, looking forward to getting to know all of you and continue to learn from this the wonderful calls. Thank you. It's Mary Ann V. from upstate New York. Thank you. Thank you so much, Mary Ann. All right. Susan A. and then um, Christine. Susan? Hi, Anita. Hi, Anita. Can you hear me? Yes, thank you. Okay, thank you so much for your service today. Um, I'm Susan A. from Valley Forge, Pennsylvania. Um, this story used to really, uh, I thought it was silly, absurd, and uh, but until I realized it, it's absurdity to make a point, and I am very much the jaywalker. 
um, in a different way. I don't get thrills out of the things I do, but um, with the around the food, I've been absurd. A uh, couple examples are, you know, uh, we have an exterior wooden stairway leading up to our garage, and in the middle of winter, I had a cell phone in one hand, a Starbucks in the other, venti coffee with milk, walking up these stairs, hitting black ice and slamming my head against the wooden rail um, and suffering a concussion, which to this day I, you know, struggle with short-term memory. Another one was um, putting off a colonoscopy that my doctor recommended and I was defiant about not getting it done. Well, in waiting, uh, you know, about a year, I ended up having to have part of my colon removed. Um, I've had foot surgeries, wrist surgeries, knee surgeries, abdominal repair surgeries, and I believe it's from the effects of being overweight or just defiant in the way I responded to doctor's orders and you know, electing to have a third C-section or a second C-section when I didn't have to, and then suffering an abdominal repair because the C-section was botched. Um, Thankfully, I have never gotten bariatric or lap band surgery, but um, I just totally relate to, uh, you know, I had the way I've gotten abstinent my bottom was as a result of unmanageability from the effects of all these, you know, accidents and surgeries in an, in an attempt to avoid weight gain and to avoid eating. Um, and that this therefore is my story. Um, I thank you for working today on a holiday and I wish everybody a happy July 4th. Thank you. Thank you, Susan A. Uh, Christine, you are up, followed by Lane. Good morning. This is actually it's Kristen H. from oh, I'm normally from H. H. Yeah, I'm normally yeah. from Houston, but this weekend I'm in Virginia. Um, you know, I agree with the previous call uh, sharer that um, when I first read this story, and actually the first several times I read this story, I thought it was just stupid. I mean who does that? That's just such a bad example. Um, but then I realized um, that, no, that's the whole point. It is absurd. And what I did with food is absurd. You know, I I was 37 when I came into this program. I was weighed 270 pounds and I'm five foot two. I had sleep apnea. I had uh, high cholesterol. I had a uh, diet type 2 diabetes I was no longer having my periods because of my weight it was just this completely um, all of these effects similar to the physical effects of jaywalking and I didn't stop and I did I still got a thrill from the food I got a thrill from going to the best restaurants and ordering the best meal it was all very sexy to me except when I couldn't stop And that was where the pain came in because I did want to stop in one part of my mind, but the other part of my mind still loved all of these treats I would get. And I think that's why the story works because it's the same kind of thing. If a normal eater or a person who isn't an addict looks at someone like me and says, 
you have all these effects. You're miserable in your mind, but your body is also failing. Why don't you just stop? And I say, I can't. They will feel the same way as I feel about someone who can't stop jaywalking. And that's just the point of the story. And it took me a while to get to that. One of the things I kind of want to add on to that is some people in my face-to-face meetings ask, you know, how can you study the same 164 pages over and over and over again? And this is a great example of why, because I don't get everything the first time I read it. And by the fifth time I say, oh, now I see it. And then by the 10th time, I might find a whole other meaning in it. And so I just think this is, uh, for me, another illustration why it's important to keep at it. I also want to thank everyone for being here. This morning, I was laying in bed and enjoying some luxurious time. And I thought, oh, I just won't call in today. And then I remembered, you know, I'm here, I'm with my family, and I'm having a lovely time. But one of the things that happens when I'm with my family is I start to wish that I could eat like them. I start to wish that I could be a normal innator. I don't like thinking about being bodily and mentally different from my other from other humans. And so that's why this meeting is so important. And that's why I called in, and that's also why I shared. So thanks, everyone, for being here. Have a happy fourth, and I pass. Thank you so much, Kristen H. Elaine, please, it's your turn, followed by um, Mark H., Good morning, Anita, and um, good morning, my fellows. This is Lane C., um, a recovered compulsive overeater in Rochester, New York. Thank you so much for your service, and thank you so much for everyone who has shared. Um, you know, this paragraph uh, reminds me of um, the cycle of addiction and the ways that even in this program and before this program, I would wake up in the morning uh, remorseful from what I ate the day before, uh, making a vow to never eat that thing again, and um, finding myself, you know, partway through the day eating that, eating that food. Um, and, um, and then, you know, to go back into this, this cycle again of feeling the remorse, swearing it off. And, um, I guess I'm thinking about that particularly today, because I feel like holidays and celebrations for me were always a time of, um, of celebrating with food. I mean, keeping food at the center of the celebration is always a deal, uh, for, for me and for my family. Um, I too thought that this story was absurd when I first read it. I thought that it was, um, you know, way too over the top. Um, and I feel like that was sort of a block for me. That was a block for me from really experiencing um, and embracing my own powerlessness. Um, it was a block for me in also, you know, I'm getting, getting towards step two, too. Like if I don't believe that I am um, insane around food, then where, where is, why, why would I need a higher power to restore me to sanity? Um, and so for me, it actually took a few more times of relapsing to really identify with this story, a few more cycles, uh, just like what I was just talking about, a few more cycles of, um, you know, it, eating the food, emerging remorseful, making the vow to never eat that thing again, finding myself back there again to really recognize just really how truly powerless I am. Um, and I did that in this program. Uh, not, you know, that wasn't like what brought me in. Um, I, I actually, I, I came in and I think just didn't really realize um, just how powerless I was. I thought maybe I could lick this thing or maybe I had it together through just changing a few behaviors. But I think 
but you know what 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 had to happen is that I had to embrace my powerlessness and really get to the deep depths of hopelessness and then invite my higher power in um, to really uh, bring about a, a deep change in me. I mean, behaviors like this don't just uh, get changed by by thinking our way through or making those vows. Uh, behaviors like this have to change through inviting our higher power in and through really inviting our higher power to disrupt that cycle. Um, and so I'm really grateful to be on this line with you all. So grateful for all the wisdom that is shared during this meeting and um, and just grateful for everyone who shared thus far. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thanks so much, Lane C. All right, Mark H., followed by Larry K. morning, Mark. Star one, Mark H. Mark. Larry, are you ready? Then we'll see if we get Mark after you. Hi, Anita. I'm ready. How are you? Good morning. Larry K. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. You know, um, so Harlan, Charles, and a lot of other people beautifully shared this morning what we're driving home. We're driving home an identification with this cold-blooded, uh, flat-out insanity, uh, just like the jaywalker, right? And for me, some, some of the self-destructive behaviors um, are, are, were easy to explain. I ate because it felt good. <laughs> That's why I ate ding-dongs and French-fried uh, anything, don't kid yourself. It was the only thing that I knew at that time that could give me an immediate sense of pleasure. It made me feel good. When I ordered a pizza, even the anticipation that it was coming, I didn't have to eat it yet. Just knowing it was coming gave me a sense of ease and comfort. So eating might not seem as insane as dodging cars in traffic, but the jaywalker was seeking the same thrill as you and I get from a, a brownie foot Sunday. That, that's a fact. And we chase after that pleasurable feeling. And, and whether for me it could be a shiny new thing might do it, a new relationship might do it, even an achievement and all the validation from that might do it. But the problem with the food for a compulsive overeater like me, if you're like me, the food will destroy me physically. It will destroy me emotionally over time. You know, go ahead and search around today in your communities. Try to find someone in their 70s that's morbidly obese. Good luck. You're not going to find too many morbidly obese people in their 70s. You know why? Because they're dead. Hey, go look around and see if you find some 70-year-olds some that, uh, that are under 100 pounds, you know, that are restricting and vomiting. And, and go ahead. Good luck. You're not going to find them because they're dead. And that's the harsh reality. See, this program is an acknowledgement that I need a wholesale spiritual revolution I need an internal change. I need a new beginning. It starts with putting the food down, putting the behaviors down first, 100%, not 90%, 100%. And then you'll be, you're free to make a new beginning and you navigate this spiritual program of action so that you can change, be brought into alignment with your higher power. When that happens, you won't need the jaywalking. You won't need to vomit. You won't need the food, eating yourself to death. Try it. My words aren't going to help you. You got to do it. With that, I pass. Thanks, Anita. Thanks so much, Larry Kay. 
Mark H., are you here? Mark? Well, that's too bad. If you come in in the next few minutes or for the next hour, um, please dial in. All right, we have time for, let's see, let's give me, give me two. I'll show you that. Who's that? Fran M. Fran M. Okay, I've got, it's too late now. Where were you guys? (laughs) So I've got Fran M. and Matt M. All right, Matt, go ahead. It was really Matt first, Fran. No problem. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Uh, Can you hear me? Yep. Thank you, Anita, for your service. Good morning, everyone. This is Matt M. from Silver I've been away for a little bit. I've been staying away from sharing. Uh, the jaywalking story I do relate to because it really shows me, like, the, the definition of plain insanity. Um, when I'm in the food, that's exactly how I behave, running into traffic, looking for that next high, looking for the next um, buzz to get me, to get, to get me off into, into the stratosphere. And um, when I'm in the food, I go into everything. I always bring in everything back, sugar, regular soda, uh, everything was coming back in. Because all that mattered was chasing the next high, and uh, better better believe it, I'm a compulsive overeater of the hopeless variety, and I'm grateful just for today that I don't have to try to chase that high. I can just be high on life, high on life. I'm so grateful I'm still alive because, as Larry said, I don't want I'll never make it to to 70 being morbidly obese. I'm almost 40 now. So, you know, TikTok. So I'm very grateful that I'm here today and grateful for meeting us here today. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thanks so much, Madam. All right, Fran M. And then I think we'll make you, we get you in, Pete B. All right, Fran. Okay, thanks very much. Um, this is one of my favorite sections in the big book, and I know what a diehard compulsive eater I am because the idea of a sandwich and whiskey and milk sounds so great to me. I get all excited when we get to this part of the big book because it mentions food. But having said that, um, I didn't have any trouble relating to the insanity because there was no question that when I was a young woman, I would eat till my stomach would burst, and then I would wait till there was the slightest bit of an opening, and I would eat some more. And prior to that, my disease actually started uh, when I was a thin adolescent, and I started restricting because I thought being thinner would make me feel better, and it would make me have more self-esteem. Um, which was really, really crazy. And I say that because I know there are a lot of young people out there who start the way I did. Some of you have stories about always being overweight and overeating, but I don't have that story. I was always a thin girl, an athletic girl. I didn't care that much about food until one day it got into my head that if I could get that needle just one pound lower, I would be better. It would lift me above the misery of life. And so just like the jaywalker and just like the compulsive overeater, which I became in later years, because the restricting for me causes binging. I don't eliminate any foods today because I don't want to always be thinking about when I can go off and eat those foods. I eat those foods. I eat them with impunity because when I am okay with my higher power, it doesn't matter what the food is. 
I can be taken out by anything, but that's another story. But the point is, sometimes I will suffer in anorexia by being so hungry and miserable, and that's like the jaywalker. It's the same misery as the binge, except a lot of people don't recognize it as that. I just share this because I know it's called compulsive. It's, we're called Overeaters Anonymous, but it's really about compulsive eating. It's really about using food as alcohol to take us out. And I just want to know, especially for young women or young men who start off restricting, it's really the same disease, and it's just all about not being right with a higher power, just not being able to handle whatever goes on in life. So we resort to this kind of emotional mental, spiritual, physiological escape that takes us out. So for me, the Jay Walker thing is a no-brainer. I totally relate to that, the thrill of doing something insane because it lifts me in a second out of the misery that I'm in, and I'm someone who has a really low tolerance for discomfort. Thank you for letting me share. There is a way out. And I appreciate all the people who mention that restricting and bulimia is just as painful as the overeating, even if you walk around looking like a size 6. Thanks. Thanks very much, Fran M. All right, Pete B., you are up. Thanks, Anita. Thanks, Anita. Can you hear me okay? Yes, thank you. Pete B., compulsive overeater, recovered today by God's grace and mercy. Thanks for taking the meeting. I really appreciated the shares this morning. You know, for me, the first time I read the story of the jaywalker, I really, really related, you know, because I had these ideas in my mind that qualified somebody as a compulsive overeater, right? And it had to do with size and how they looked and all of these different things, right? Which didn't, which didn't map back to me. All I knew was that I, I suffered tremendously because I ingested foods that I would turned out to be allergic to and I overate. And I felt incomprehensibly demoralized, right? And then, and then I would return thinking that this time would be different. This time would be different. So it was really, really cool because it, 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 actually, it actually took me out of the, you know, the size and the images and, and brought it back to the behaviors of picking up, um, you know, when, when these substances are down. <clears throat> you know, the, the, the defining characteristics of the compulsive overeater are, are the inability to take these substances into our bodies uh, without triggering the phenomena of craving, coupled with the mental obsession that we don't have that physical compulsion, right? Those are the defining characteristics. And if I don't have those characteristics, then I'm not a compulsive overeater. Now, I wouldn't go into, I wouldn't go into Narcotics Anonymous and try to tell people in Narcotics Anonymous that my disease is the same disease that they have because I'm not a narco- I'm not I'm not a, a drug addict, right? So I can't say for sure, or I shouldn't be communicating the message that I know this about your condition, right? And I think that's important for us. Like in the twelve and twelve on step twelve, it says that our job when we share in a meeting is to carry the AA message, and the AA message is clearly articulates that we need to be entirely abstinent. And if we are able to use those substances again with immunity or impunity, then by definition, we don't have that condition. Right? I, 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 I really, I, I, this chapter, this paragraph particularly talks about the mental twist 
the bizarre mental twist that precedes taking that first drink. And and I and I think it does a really nice job of that with that I'll pass. Thank you so much, PB. Nice, nice ending to for today. All right. Thank you to everyone who shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for the meeting we've just all participated in is 13,114-13114. And we will now close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I've asked Anita L. to read the vision for you. Good morning. This is Anita L. from outside of Philadelphia. Our book, book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.